The following podcast has coarse language and subject matter people might find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. The day I called it my home was unlike any other day. You see, I had dreamed of this. This would be my life. I had already imagined the flowers I would plant in the front yard. I had planned what our first meal would be. I thought of New Year's Eve with friends, decisions about drapery, breaking dishes, making up after fights, and starting a family. I thought of the holes that would need patching, and the pants that would need sewing. I thought of my house being full, and then being empty. The evening light glowing through the windows to end each day, catching the steam from my tea. But then one day, I woke up, and it was gone. No more drapery. No more front yard flowers. It was all different. In a blink, there were new noises and new faces that cycled over and over throughout the years, but this was my home. I became frustrated. I banged on the walls, moved their belongings. I told them to get out. I screamed and shouted as loud as I could, but not one of them could see me. Nobody could see me. On the day I called it my home, it was unlike any other day because I would never leave. This would be my afterlife. Welcome to the world beyond the veil. This is Geist. Candace Hutchings is a popular Canadian YouTube personality. She hosts a vegan cooking channel called The Edgy Veg. You may have also seen her on her well-followed Instagram page. Over the pandemic, she and her partner, artist Louis Chapeau, moved themselves and four rescue dogs into a historic home in a historic part of Toronto. I reached out to her after I saw multiple Instagram stories about the strange going-ons in her house. And there are some strange ones. I definitely think that hauntings exist. Um, I think I've always thought that hauntings existed, but I didn't know what that meant or what that looked like. And I was always a little bit skeptical until I moved in here. My house is definitely haunted. When I was younger, I I only remember being afraid of the dark. I don't remember ever being comfortable in the dark as a kid. I don't know if that had to do with the fact that I was drawn to ghost shows from a very young age. Um, I always lived in really old houses. I always had a lot of what I think now might have been night terrors or visitations, if you will, when I was younger. So there was always something in the dark with me, and I think that's where it started. I grew up in in Germany, and I stayed with my grandparents a lot. I must have been, I don't even know how young, probably five, maybe six. 
and I'd be kind of like in and out of sleep or something would have woken me up in the middle of the night or super early in the morning. And I would look up and there would just be this dark figure at the end of my bed. And it wasn't necessarily like horrifying or terrifying in any way, um, but the only way that I could describe the way that this male figure looked like was almost like a chimney sweep. He had kind of the floppy hat um, and I would just lay there and look. I don't, I think I was uncomfortable, not necessarily like terrified right away, but I would, you know, close my eyes or put my head under the blanket and look back up and see if he was there. And sometimes he was and sometimes he wasn't. I grew up in a super religious home. So I think that the, the duality that I grew up with, which is, you know, there is lightness and there is darkness. Um, I think I was just always very aware of that. So I wasn't necessarily told that these things weren't happening. Um, but I also was too afraid to kind of tell my mother because I thought that she would go to a very dark place with it. Um, and it wasn't a lot until I was a lot older that I actually told her what it was happening. But then nothing. I mean, I was living in condos. I wasn't really noticing much of anything, but nothing like this, nothing like what's happening in my house now. So the house was built in 1880, that we know for sure. I live in one of those houses that was clearly a mansion, you know, back in the day, um, that was split then into three or four houses. So I have my house, one on the left and one on the right, and it's very clear that they were all one house at one point. Um, but we, we had been looking, my partner and I, for a house for a little while just before the pandemic and he found this house on Craigslist and it had been vacant um, from when the owners bought it to when we moved in. Um, they'd lowered the price a bunch of times there and it's a gorgeous, beautiful house and there's no reason why no one would want to rent this house. So right away we're like, that's kind of weird. Like what's going on in the house? And then after we moved in the first night, I think we got our answer. <laughs> So we, we fell in love with the house. I mean, I when I first saw the house, I made a joke about the basement. I called it the murder basement. It has this like chartreuse green colored floor and has a huge stain in the middle. And I just made this joke in passing in the basement when I was down there. And I always got a, I mean, I got a kind of a weird feeling, which is I think why I made that joke. Candace wasn't the only one getting strange vibes from the basement. Her partner, Louis, also noticed something. I've grown to be uh, obviously a lot more settled in the house, but when we first moved in, um, for me specifically, the basement, like right out of the gates, there was just an, an unsettled energy that felt like it was emanating from down there and like whether that was in my head or whatever it might have been. But when we first moved in, especially in the first, I guess, two weeks when all of the boxes were everywhere and the house was unorganized. There was like a pronounced feeling from downstairs that it just made me feel uh, like uncomfortable. But I didn't think about it again until the night that we moved in.
So our move was frantic. It was the beginning of the pandemic. So we moved very, very quickly. We ended up moving in two weeks before we were supposed to because we were afraid Toronto was going to go into lockdown. So we had, you know, subpar movers and it was a very stressful day, but we ended up getting everything in the house. It was very, very chaotic. Um, We didn't end up really unpacking anything. We ordered some food, we sat on the floor, we ate, and I have a sauna in the basement. And my partner was like, oh, I'm so tired. Why don't we try out the sauna? You know what? Sure. First night, try out the sauna. Why not? Sounds like a great idea. So we walk downstairs, go into the sauna, and we're sitting there, we're talking. All of a sudden, we hear the biggest crash and bang right above our heads. The kitchen is right above where the sauna is. And we both kind of freeze. We look at each other, and I'm, what was that? What was that? We run up the stairs, which is right underneath the kitchen. We had put... Um, some boxes and just a couple of things on the island so we had things to cook with. It was like someone had taken their arm across the counter and just pushed everything off the counter and pushed everything onto the floor. We are pretty rational people so I mean at first it was like oh my gosh like what how did this happen like did you stack things on top of other things? Um, trying to figure out like what had happened and I'm just in like complete disbelief and I'm like someone was in here like did we leave the door unlocked and <laughs> Candace listens to a lot of murder podcasts and so she she's very aware of like being safe in her own house and that was the first time that we were like oh there no there's something going on here let's keep an eye out for anything else that is Really, there's no rational explanation to that, really. Candace and Louis were about to have more experiences that would confirm their spooky suspicions. So in the same week, I would say maybe two or three nights later, and mind you, from, you know, we'll call it the counter incident to this next incident, I definitely felt uncomfortable and I was not sleeping through the nights and we were not unpacked and we were slowly just trying to get things in order room by room and we had chosen the bedroom first. So the second or third night we had put the bed together just with everything that had happened and I was already getting these eerie feelings. I just wasn't sleeping well. I was getting frustrated so I was reading a book and I ended up kind of dozing off with the book on my chest. All of a sudden, the bed moves. And when I say the bed moves, it felt like, not on my side, but the foot of the bed on the opposite side that I was sleeping on, so the left side. It was as if someone picked up the corner and dropped it on the ground. I'm freaking out. I'm like trying to shake him awake. I'm like, the bed just moved, the bed just moved. And, you know, can't, I was like half asleep and I felt the bed move, but I was in that half dream state, you know, me, she woke me up, she's like, it moved, something moved the bed, something moved the bed. I mean, we've all seen paranormal activity. Like, I'm, I'm thinking I'm getting dragged out of this bed while I'm trying to sleep in it. So I did not sleep the rest of the night. This creepiness that was resonating in their home started to affect other family members. Between, I would say, like 2 and 3.30 in the morning, the dogs, specifically Winston, 
would bark at corners or bark down the stairs. Our bedroom is in the attic. So it has a little attic window in a corner. It's a little nook. And he would stand at the foot of our bed and just bark into that nook. So it's a lot of uncomfortableness <laughs> happening in that bedroom. They decided to take control of the situation. I just wasn't sleeping through the night. So my we had heard if you talk to an entity that you're living with, sometimes they respect your wishes. So before bed, my partner would just kind of call out because we have an open air bedroom. And there was actually, Candace was having really bad sleeps because she getting, kept getting woken up at 3 a.m. by the dogs frantically growling and barking at a corner of the room that had a plant. And one night I yelled out like, okay, enough is enough. Like, we'd like a good night's sleep. And that night, nothing happened. And the first night that we did that was the first night that I slept through the night. But the activity continued. So I would say after the bed moving incident, there wasn't a ton of like really loud, noticeable, I'm fearing for my life things that were happening throughout the house, but a lot of really tiny things. I would notice things, I would leave small things, whether it's trinkets or knickknacks or books even, um, in certain places, and then I would go back and look for it or go to get it, and it would be moved somewhere else. And my partner and I both collect antiques, and a lot of the time it was antiques, but more of the feminine ones, um, things that were that would have belonged to a woman as opposed to um, what my partner collects, which is like war memorabilia. It would be pairs of things, like one would be moved and the other one wouldn't. There's these slow, deliberate footsteps that don't, like, it doesn't sound like a full weighted body. Like, it doesn't sound like, uh, it doesn't sound like someone is in the house, but it's footsteps in the house. It's kind of hard to explain, but it was very obvious that it was like, yeah, no, those are footsteps that are coming from 20 feet away from you. The first couple of times, again, we are very rational people. We're like, okay, it's the neighbors. You know, they have kids next door. But we've come to realize what it sounds like when the neighbor kids are running back and forth or banging or even yelling or talking versus when it feels like it's right in the house. Um, the lights in our house, which at first we thought was just an electrical issue, turning on and off um, without hearing any sort of light switch click. In the basement, they would flicker quite a bit and I just got frustrated one day and I was like, okay, enough with the lights already. And then the lights stayed on. Most of the light things I try to explain away, but when things start moving, it's a bit harder for me to explain. This next part really weirded me out as I was sitting in their living room listening to this story. Um, one other thing that I thought was really, really creepy. I mean, most people, I think, would. We have a lot of plants in our house, and we water them frequently. So we're constantly looking into the pots of these plants. And there is a quite a large plant next to our bed. I noticed one day that there was a doll arm in the plant. Just like a rogue doll arm. 
And I mean, we have a lot of creepy things in our house, but none of which are dolls, <laughs> nor are they missing arms. That was one we could not explain. It was just an arm. It wasn't like we had dug up some soil in our backyard and and repotted the plant and it just happened to be there. It just appeared one day out of nowhere. Um, to this day, I cannot explain that one. Uh, we, again, collect a lot of antiques. There's a lot of breakables. There's a lot of knickknacks. So people just generally do not bring their children here. It was the middle of a pandemic, so no one was going to anyone's houses. I made the joke when I first got it. I was like, is this some sort of threat? A disembodied arm? And I tried saging. Um, that made it very angry. Every time I tried to burn any sort of sage or Palo Santo, it would act out again. Lights turning on and off, doll arms. Um, so we learned fairly quickly that like saging is just not a thing that's going to be effective. In fact, it makes it worse. And this spirit continued to communicate. Candace was already sitting on the couch. I was coming into the room from the kitchen to sit down and very clearly, as if someone had been standing sort of by our dining room table, I heard an old woman's voice go, hello. Like we both heard it, but we were, it took us a second and we looked at each other like, did you just hear that? And I got up and I looked in the kitchen, like nothing was there, but it was inside the house, right there. Like audibly you can tell spatially where noises are coming from. Like that was, we both heard it clear as day back door was closed, didn't come from the yard, didn't come from like the next door neighbors. It was someone standing right there. And that just, it was a very pleasant, like, hello. So about, I would say six to eight months after living here. And at this point, I've more or less just made peace with the fact that there's someone else also living here. And while it makes me uncomfortable to have someone in my space, it never felt malicious or evil or dark in nature. In the time they had lived there, Candace and Louis suspected that the spirit they were dealing with was a woman. They often referred to her as she. But this next incident left them wondering. I was laying in bed, and my partner Louis was downstairs. It was very, very early in the morning. All of a sudden, I heard a noise that I can only describe as a banshee cry and like a guttural banshee cry or a banshee call. It was, it was clear as day and I thought at first maybe I was in and out of sleep, lucid dreaming, but as soon as it happened, I heard little footsteps kind of run up the stairs. And we both heard whatever the hell that noise was. Pretty much both yelled at the exact same time. Like I yelled, what the hell was that? Like, what was that? I fly up and I'm like, oh my God, you heard that too, because I'm thinking it's in my head. It was a dream. I'm lucid dreaming. This didn't actually happen. And he heard it from downstairs. And he said that it was coming from upstairs. And I had heard it right next to my head. Like it sounded like it was someone standing over me and doing this like guttural, almost animalistic, but not. It was like human, but also animalistic and like high pitched, but also low to this day that I still cannot explain. It wasn't the neighbors, it wasn't anything outside because we both heard it coming from the same place and it was so very clearly inside the house. 
I couldn't explain that away. There is one room in the house that Candace and Louis think may have some connection to the stir of activity. One of the rooms that I think is probably the most heavy in terms of a presence or it's just very clear that there's something going on in that room is um, what we call the, the fancy room. And it gets that name because, as I mentioned, we collect antiques. All of the furniture is more or less antique, but very old things in that room is decorated to be kind of like a cigar lounge, like a gentleman's cigar lounge, that sort of thing. That room since the beginning, like I brought in most of my like collectibles and antiques as soon as we moved in and as soon as we moved in, everything started happening. <laughs> so whether it's connected to those or it's the house, it's kind of hard to parse those, those, those two. From the first day that I had moved in, it felt heavy. It felt kind of like you're moving, the air felt kind of like you're moving through like a very thick soup. And some people feel it, other people don't. Most people do though, they can tell right away that there's something about the room. The room itself just to me has like, it's like a, it's like a stress blanket. Like you walk in there to me and there's just a dampening and there's a closeness and there's a, it kind of, it, it does kind of feel like uh, you're just being kind of like held. Nostalgic, calming, comforting type of feeling. It's like, it's less, it's more of a residual than it is a pronounced presence. And it's particularly quiet in that room, but it sounds so loud. Like that feeling that you get when you are in front of a speaker and your ears are just irritated, it feels like that. So it feels like it's very loud, but there's nothing. Our dogs don't like that room. I have a deaf dog and a blind dog and neither one of them are comfortable in that room or on the landing that leads up to that room. I definitely feel like there's something going on there I don't know if it also perhaps is the energy tied to bringing in old things. I mean, I've heard that you you are supposed to cleanse any (laughs) antiques you bring into your house, something I've never done. Um, If there's energy tied to that and there's just a a room full of it, or if maybe whatever entity is living in my house is just drawn to the antiques, perhaps it's like a level of comfortability for them. When I conducted my interview with Candace and Louie, I was introduced to the fancy room. And I'll have to agree with both of them. As soon as you walked in the door, it was really, really heavy in there, but in a non-threatening way. After living in the house for months, they decided they wanted to try and get some answers on their own, so they conducted a small paranormal investigation. They thought they turned up nothing until they posted the videos on social media. We have a Polaroid camera. And so I was like, let's turn off the lights, go around the house, talk to it, and snap Polaroids with the flash. And just see what shows up. Um, And so we started in the basement and we're standing on the stairs and I, I'm snapping photos. I'm like, hello, like, you know, we're just here taking photos, trying to communicate with it. And we are coming up to the landing and Candace is videotaping all of this. And I, I get up 
to the top of the stairs and I'm turning the corner and I, I, I say hello and I snap a photo uh, looking towards the fancy room. And, you know, we didn't hear anything. Um, nothing showed up on the photos. But then we posted it, the videos to our Instagram story. Multiple people wrote back being like, did, did you not hear the response? In the video, I get up to the top of the stairs and there's no distortion throughout any other part of the video audibly. But I get to the top of the stairs and I go, hello. And then there's a... It wasn't Candace's breath breathing into the phone. It wasn't... But there was like... And it's just as we get up to the landing. Like you hear me like, it's like, hello. So I had a big shoot in the house. We had completely set the house upside down to make way for photographers and food stylists. And there was just stuff all over the place. And the house was in complete disarray. And I'm getting my makeup done on the landing upstairs. The landing that the dogs won't go to. And my makeup artist is asking me about the ghost in the house. Um, he, you know, seen the stories about it. And he was like, okay, so tell me, you know, what's going on. So I tell him exactly. He, he's very sassy and he goes, well, tell that bitch to leave. She doesn't pay rent. And his makeup light turned off immediately after he had said that. And I'm like, has that ever happened before? He's like, no. And you have to unplug it to turn it off. And he unplugged the light, plugged it back in and it worked. I could tell he's kind of like the, <laughs> the blood is like draining from his face. And I'm just sitting there being like, oh my God, it happened in front of someone else. This makes me so happy. I don't sound out of my mind. I have a witness. So explain that one to me. <laughs> so I've definitely noticed a pattern in the way that the, um, the entity makes itself known. I don't think she likes change. So she was very, very active when we first moved in. It took us almost four weeks to fully unpack. She was very active when we were moving things around, moving furniture around. Um, and then she's also very active when I'm here by myself. Um, the most recent one was actually <laughs> less than a month ago. And I was sitting in the front room downstairs and it sounded as if my partner was upstairs in the parlor, like doing something, like maybe cleaning up, but it, I could hear steps right above my head, clear as day, going from like one end of the room to the other in no real thoughtful way. It was just as if someone was up there like cleaning up or, or tidying. Um, so there's a lot of that uh, to go along with the, uh, the lights turning on and off. You can learn to peacefully kind of coexist, cohabitate with whatever these things are. I'm a optimistic skeptic where we try to explain things away, but I do believe that human knowledge in general has barely even begun to not even scratch the surface of like what life is and science and the cosmos. And there is most likely at some point going to be an explanation for all of this that Yes, maybe apparitions and the afterlife are very much a very real thing that science can explain, but right now they are outside of our realm of, of scientific mathematical explanations. I mean, I hope, it, I hope it's not purgatory. Like, I hope that 
you know, I hope the spirits have found peace and maybe they're just, maybe this is like vacation time for, for spirits. Like, hey, we're gonna go fuck with some humans this weekend. You wanna come? If I had any sort of negative feelings or I felt unsafe, obviously that's different, but I don't feel like it's evil. I don't feel like an evil presence at all. I don't feel, I feel like I'm watched sometimes, but not in a, in a horrifying way, more of a, a protective way almost. Um, do I love sharing my space with something that I cannot see? No. Um, I don't think I'll ever get used to that part of it, um, but I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not scared to sleep in the dark. I'm not scared to be alone in the house. All of the, the haunting experiences, if you will, are, I would say, like minuscule in nature of things that I've, I've heard or, or seen happen to other people. So I'm actually quite comfortable here and I love the house and I think that we can both live here together and as long as we respect each other's space, um, I think it's fine. As I mentioned... I've been to the house. In true Geist fashion, none of my recording equipment would work when I got there. And there was even a light flickering episode in the kitchen as we sat in the living room doing this interview. But overall, the house was really comfortable. And they still live there. A lot of people would question if that's crazy. I don't think so. I think it takes a special mindset to appreciate life and the afterlife. A very special thanks to Candace and Louie for sharing their story. If you have a sec, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. It would mean a lot to us. Story submissions can be sent to hello.geist.podcast at gmail.com. Geist is written and directed by Daniel Matar. Original score and sounds by Bo Jensen. Episode mixed and mastered by Adam Esker. Geist logo is by Jake Carruthers. Follow us on all social media platforms at Geist underscore podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, sleep tight.